Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. morning scripture comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with the second half of verse 7. Train yourself for a holy life. I'll repeat that. Train yourself for a holy life. While physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promised for this life now and the life to come. This saying is reliable and deserves complete acceptance. We work and struggle for this. Our hope is set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command these things. Teach them. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead... Set an example for the believers through your speech, behavior, love, faith, and by being sexually pure. Until I arrive, pay attention to public reading, preaching, and teaching. Don't neglect the spiritual gift in you that was given through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Practice these things and live by them so that your progress will be visible to all. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. If you do this, you will save yourself and those who hear you. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few weeks back, I was uh, channel surfing, uh, and I stumbled upon the old 1980s movie, The Karate Kid. Anybody remember Karate Kid, right? Mr. Miyagi, uh, Daniel LaRusso. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, of course, was the older, the wiser, the unexpected uh, karate guru who takes Daniel LaRusso under his belt to teach him karate because he's getting bullied at school by those mean guys that uh, from the do karate over at Cobra Kai, you remember, right? Now, now there's a deal that's made, right? He agrees, Mr. Miyagi agrees, I'll teach you, Daniel, how to do karate, but you have to do it exactly the way I teach you. Well, Daniel very willingly agrees, and so they agree on the first day. Daniel goes to Mr. Miyagi's house, and the very first thing that he learns in training is what? How to wash and wax the cars, right? Yeah, but it's a specific way, right? Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off, right? So that's the first day. Next day he comes back. Today, you're going to do something new. You're going to paint the fence up and down, up and down. The next day he comes back, the next day of training, paint, the, paint the, um, the house, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, the fourth day comes. Daniel's ready to learn karate. 
Instead, he has to sand the floor, right? He's out in the back, sanding the deck. Circular pattern, but the opposite, right? So, so why, I don't remember which one it was. Wax on, wax off, sand the floor is the opposite. Well, finally, Daniel, he's had it. Like enough of, you know, using me to fix up your house. When he finds out that all of these moves are actually karate moves in disguise, and this begins his formal training where he goes on to defeat Cobra Kai at the All-County Karate Championship. When my son, John, was about 11, he announced that he wanted to learn karate. And actually, that's something I had always wanted to do also. So I did a little research, and I found a, a school in town that taught teens and adults together. So we signed up for karate. Uh, he did it for about a year and kind of lost interest, but I fell in love with it. And what's more practical for a middle-aged pastor than knowing how to do karate? <laughs> now, you may have done a martial art at some point in your life, so if you, even if not, you probably are aware. You, know, you go to karate, you wear a uniform, it's called a gi, and you wear belts, right? So when you start, you start with what color belt? White which tells the world this person doesn't know anything about karate. You're an absolute beginner. But they teach you a few basic moves, and once you've mastered them, you get to test for the next color belt. So for us, that was yellow, and then orange, and then purple, then blue, and so forth, and so on, on to black. Each time learning a little more, showing a little more competence, uh, the test proving that now you are at this level of uh, karate competence. My instructor had a phrase that we heard all the time. He said, you've heard that practice makes perfect. Have you heard that, practice makes perfect? He said, that's an absolute lie. If you practice the wrong thing over and over, it won't make you perfect. It'll make you perfectly wrong. Perfect practice makes perfect. So do it again. And he would stand there until you did it right. He told me that an awful lot. Karate is like a lot of things in life, right? We don't always get a new colored belt when we grow or, or advance a little bit. But think about how many things in life there are stages of growth and learning that we have to show competence to move to the next level, that, that as we grow, as we learn, we gain uh, confidence, we gain proficiency, we gain mastery. Think about our education. You know, we go through 12 years of school, but then some of us go on to college, and some of us go on to graduate school, and some maybe even on to doctorate. And all the way, you're, you're learning, you're doing homework, you're being tested, you graduate, and then you move on to the next level of competence. Think about baseball players. After playing for years of baseball, they start in the farm leagues, waiting to get hopefully called up to the majors, and even then probably sitting third string or second string before getting into the game. Or throughout most of the history of the world, most professions started in a kind of mentorship. You started as somebody's apprentice under a master, and you did exactly what they taught you to do, whether it was pottery or architecture or carpentry, whatever it was, and then you moved into being a journeyman, which meant you were competent, but you weren't yet a master. A guild had to say, this person has mastery. Or maybe you served in the military. You begin in the military as a, as a recruit, right, as an, an enlistee, a private or a seaman. 
But then if you stick with it and you show leadership and competency, you'll grow and become an officer and maybe have command. In many, many things in life, there is this process of learning, growing, mastery, going from beginner, not knowing anything, wearing a white belt, to becoming a black belt or whatever it might be, becoming a graduate, becoming uh, promoted, earning a certificate, whatever it might be. Stages of development, rites of passage, teachers, mentors, guiding us as we learn and grow and become. Have you ever thought of Christianity that way? Have you ever thought of your spiritual growth in that way? Or do we just take it for granted? Do we assume just because I'm a member of a church or because I come to worship or because I was baptized as an infant, it just happens automatically? Is it possible that following Jesus is a journey, meant to be a journey of growing and learning and maturing and becoming more and more like Jesus? If you've ever been in our sanctuary, it's surrounded by these banners of the 12 apostles. They are the ones who are the leaders of the early church. They're the ones who took the gospel beyond Judea into what was then the known world and and started the movement of the church. But before they became leaders, they had a lot to learn. And, And in fact, you see a very subtle shift in scripture. When you get to the Acts of the Apostles, they are then referred to as apostles. But before that, most often they were referred to as what? As disciples. Now, that's interesting. Those words mean different things. Disciple means student or apprentice, whereas apostle means one who is sent somewhere. And so Jesus, after his death, resur- death and resurrection, sent them into the world. But first, three years before, He called them to himself to learn from him. For three years, they were in an apprenticeship. They followed him. They listened to him. They learned from him. He asked them questions. They asked him questions. He corrected them when they got things wrong. They were learning and growing. And then finally, after his death and resurrection, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they shifted from being disciples to being apostles. Do you get it? For them to be apostles, they first had to be disciples. They had to go through a process of learning mentored by the greatest mentor of all, Jesus. It sounds very similar to what Paul taught his disciple, Timothy. Train yourself for a holy life. Train yourself for a holy life wasn't merely enough that that Timothy had been converted to being a follower of Christ, or even that he exhibited qualities of leadership. Paul was exhorting him, train yourself to live a holy life. Well, how do you do that? This summer, we're giving extra attention to First Church's vision to seek and love God, to love and serve people. And right now, we're in a two-week phase where we're talking about what it means to seek God, Last week, Britain taught us about seeking God through worship. That's why we come here, right? To, to seek the presence of God, to acknowledge the presence of God. But there's other ways of seeking. And discipleship, we'll talk more about that this morning, is one of those things. Seeking God through 
learning and growth and studying, training ourselves for a holy life, seeking God as students or as apprentices of Jesus. Think about the word seek for a moment. I mean, that's the first word of our vision, seek. What do you seek? And how do you seek it? We're all seeking something or someone or some achievement if we're trying to seek, hopefully, a deeper relationship with God, if we seek to understand Scripture better or the mysteries of God, if we're seeking to grow in our character, our spiritual maturity, or to produce the fruits of the Spirit, there are ways of doing it. In the church, we call these spiritual disciplines or, or spiritual practices or, or means of grace. Psalm 119, 1 and 2 says, Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart. One of the first verses I ever learned in the Bible was Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. There's this invitation in that. Seek me and you will find me. We have a God that wants to be both sought and to be found. And he makes it possible for us. I think a desire for spiritual growth is much like a desire for just about anything else. If, if you have a, a new hobby or interest, or, or if you want to be a better husband or spouse, or if you want to grow professionally, or if you just want to improve your golf swing, or be a better fisherman, right, or learn a new yoga move, or play an instrument, or learn how to sew, or whatever it is, usually there's a process, right? There's a YouTube video for, video for it, I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee there's a TikTok video for it if you just don't have much time. There's an article, there's a blog, there's a book. And if you're really serious about it, there's instructors, there's mentors, there's teachers who can help you along the way. And isn't it true, think about this, the more you want something, the more you seek after something, the more time and energy and attention you give to it. If you want to be a really good golfer, you're going to spend more time out there on the green, aren't you? If you really want to collect that baseball card, you're going to spend a lot of time on eBay finding that one baseball card. If you really want to get good at cooking, you're going to spend a lot more time in the kitchen or watching the Food Network or whatever the case may be. We dedicate ourselves to learning and growing at the things that we really value. Or think about a relationship. Maybe you want to engage in a new relationship. Maybe it's a a possible new client or, or a, a new friendship or maybe it's even a dating relationship. Maybe you start with a call or a text or an email, right? Maybe it's an invitation to coffee or lunch just to get acquainted. Maybe you Google them to see if they have a criminal record <laughs> or you Facebook stalk them. Anybody done that? I do that every time we interview somebody. I Facebook stalk them first, right? Or maybe you call a mutual friend to get the inside scoop. And how much more, once again, if that evolves into maybe a romantic relationship, how much more seeking do we do to understand them better, to spend more time with them? 
Richard Rohr says, God gives us, he's talking spiritually, of course, God gives us a spirit of questing, questing, interesting word, a desire for understanding. So let's just pause for a moment. What, what do you seek? What are you seeking in your life right now? Who are you seeking in your life? And if we're going to be honest, are we actively seeking God? When's the last time you attended some kind of spiritual class or workshop? When's the last time you met with a, a, a spiritual friend, a pastor, a spiritual director to talk about your spiritual life, your prayer life, your spiritual growth? When's the last time you went to a Bible study? How's your daily devotional practice developing? What's the last spiritual book you read? What spiritual practices do you actually practice? Paul compares this actually to like athletic training. He says in 1 Timothy 4.8, while physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promise for this life now and the life to come. He, he does something similar in 1 Corinthians 9. Everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything. The runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die, but we do it to receive a crown that never dies. So now this is how I run, not, with the, not without a clear goal in sight. I fight like a boxer in the ring, not like someone who's shadow boxing. Think about the Olympic athletes that we're going to be watching in a few weeks. These are, the, these are the best of the best. Have they always been the best of the best? No. I bet the vast majority of the Olympians started out just as kids doing the sport for fun. Mom and dad signed them up for activity, but they showed some talent, some love of the game, some proficiency. And so after hundreds of competitions and hours and hours of practice and diet and physical training. Now they compete on the world stage, right? To win a prize. Similarly for us, prayer, Bible study, book studies, meditation, worship, service to others, spiritual direction, all are ways that we can grow and mature and develop spiritually. Paul says training and holy living. Or in 1 Timothy 4.16, focus on working on your own development. Or just the verse before, practice these things and live them so that your progress will be visible to all. That's an interesting phrase. Practice these things and live them so that your progress will be visible to all. You see, this isn't just something I do for me. Paul believes this is something we do so that it's publicly visible, that there's a public dimension to our discipleship. Earlier in verse 12, he said, set an example for the believers through your speech, behavior, love, and faith. It's not just an individual pursuit. It has implications for everyone we interact with. As I pursue spiritual growth, it changes me. We become more like Jesus. That means I become a better dad, a better, a better husband. I become better in the workplace. I become better in the classroom. I become 
better in the places I serve. I become more loving, more kind, more compassionate, more generous. I just become a better person to be around with because I'm becoming more like Christ. That benefits everybody. Paul in 1 Corinthians makes this very bold statement that I would have a hard time saying myself. He says, follow my example just like I follow Christ. On one level, you could read that and say, well, that sounds a little pompous. Follow me like I follow Christ. But Paul isn't putting confidence in himself. He's putting confidence in following Christ. Paul is saying without hesitation, if you follow Christ, you're worthy of being followed. That as you follow Christ, you're set an example that others ought to want to be part of, to take on themselves. It's similar to what I said in the very first verse of today's lesson. Train yourself for a holy life. Train yourself for a holy life. Are you living a holy life? That's a hard word to, to own, I think. Notice he doesn't say, train yourself for a more religious life. He doesn't say, train yourself for a more Methodist life. He doesn't say, train yourself for a more moral night life or a more dutiful life. He says, train yourself for a, a holy life. The word holy in Scripture means to be set apart for sacred use. We call the Bible the Holy Bible. We call communion holy communion. Baptism, holy baptism. Uh, in some traditions, marriage is holy matrimony. In some traditions, uh, ordination as a pastor is holy orders. It means they've been set aside for sacred use. Well, that's what Paul is saying to all of us. Train yourself so that you can be set apart in the world for sacred use. 1 Peter 1.15 says, You must be holy in every aspect of your lives, just as the one who called you is holy. It is written, You will be holy because I am holy. And the good news is that God doesn't just say, Go do this. He's provided the means. Church, worship, scripture, sacraments, prayer, practicing spiritual dis disciplines. Pastors, youth directors, children's directors, spiritual directors, and the aid and assistance of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. So think about this. Just as one can learn karate and move from white belt up to eventually black belt, just as Olympic athletes can start just, you know, as kids going to some activity and then win potentially a gold medal, just as professionals can grow to the top of their field, just as, as we can in any aspect of our life start with no knowledge to expertise, the same thing can happen to us spiritually. If we set our intent, we can learn, we can grow, and become more and more like Jesus. Richard Rohr writes, we always become what we behold. We always become what we behold. The presence that we practice is what matters. Maybe that's what it means to seek and love God. To seek time with God. To seek understanding of God. To seek the presence of God in our lives. To seek opportunities to become like God. That's what it's all about.
Let's pray. And so, oh Lord, help us to be better seekers. Fill us today with a, a deeper desire, a greater hunger, a longing, an urgency to know you, to know about you, and to become more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.